Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is a husband, father, musician, winemaker, and owner of Ledge Vineyards, Mark Adams. In 2005, Adams and his wife, Sierra, planted the first vines on his family's property. Uh, Adams cut his teeth as assistant winemaker at famed Possible Robles producer Saxon under the tutelage of Justin Smith. In 2009, Adams released his first vintage of Ledge Estate Syrah. I think this is wrong. Just fact check that shit out of me. Um, in 2018, Ledge Vineyards released its first ever Bienacito Syrah, receiving high critical acclaim. And... Adams is known for producing uniquely elegant possible wines that don't sacrifice power or finesse. And when he is uh, not uh, tending to the vines in his garden, uh, Adams is often seen around town playing Americana music with his band, the Mark Adams Band. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, MJ. Man, this is long overdue. <laughs> like officially long overdue. Like, like, for the world to see long overdue. I feel like we've done this before. Oh, we've done this so many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell everybody, what'd you bring, uh, what are we drinking this afternoon? Well, I brought a library 2018 MCA Cuvée uh, for you because it's the last vintage that we used, uh, Petite Syrah and Zinfandel, but it's Grenache based with Syrah, Petite, and Zin. And uh, I know that those are varietals that you like. Yeah. And uh, since they're not in the quiver anymore, I brought this for you. Yeah, you were popping some shit off. He's like, he's like yeah, you, have, you need some Zifidel pizza on your wife. <laughs> well, I mean, we've decided that sticking with, uh, for, for the time being, sticking with the Rones um, is, uh, is increasing uh, the tastiness of our wines. And uh, specifically, Syrah and Grenache do really well at our place and in most of us Robles. And since we're growing, we've got 15 acres under vine and another 15 to go. Starting where where we know the success ratio is going to be, you know, pretty good percentage, and uh, yeah, so that that's that's where we're at at the place. Well, uh, you, I do love this wine, um, and uh, <clears throat> always thought it was a unique cuvee <clears throat> with the Zen and the Petit Syrah, and, and you've had, um, and you've actually had this one where you've put some white bottles in this. In, 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 uh, maybe well, little... we have Roussan planted at the place, right. and as soon as it started coming on, then we started co-fermenting it with Syrah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a little bit of a Saxon trick that I learned when they, with the Bone Rock stuff was co-fermented. I was helping Justin make those wines and, and, uh, loved what they added. So we just, uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it. We just was going down that path. Yeah. And just playing around with you. I remember like the 2016 was like 40%, it was more Zen. Yeah. It was back, uh. Back in your Zen days. Well, we did do a bunch of Zins from the Ducey Ranch. I love those. Those were great. And, uh, and uh, um, I don't know, I'm five, five or six years of those. And we just decided that we needed to invest more of our resources into the farming aspect of it. Yeah. Playing the long game. Um, you know, we're still 
uh, only producing between 1,000 and 1,500 cases of wine a year. That's fine. You know, as far as we're concerned, you know, we're, we're, we're devoting our resources to, to planting instead of purchasing fruit at this point. And down the line, we'll, we'll sell fruit. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Um, I know where you're from, but for everybody who's going to listen to this, um, where are you from, man? I'm from right here in Templeton, MJ. <laughs> uh, for those of you at home, we're right smack dab in the sort of the hospital area of Templeton, um, sort of between uh, Bethel Road and, and the 101, and downtown Templeton's just, just over behind us. So, yeah, I went to Templeton schools from kindergarten to 12th grade and uh, grew up with the Ducey family and and the Smiths. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know much much else to tell you about it. Oh, I've, I've, been, I've seen it all happen. Yeah, I was going to say, say, don't worry, know. we're going to unpack this because you have seen it all. I mean, so... Um, like, Paso Robles is just now, I guess, starting to get get some acclaim. I mean, it's been around, been producing wine forever. But now, uh, you know... Um, I mean, maybe internationally. Yeah, internationally. Nat- yeah. Nationally, for sure. Internationally, you know. But, you know, Hospice Durone is certainly doing a great job of, of advancing the, you know, uh, Central Coast agenda for, for Rome producers, but for, you know, the state of California and Paso Robles specifically. Um so that's certain, certainly something to note. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are, things are on, on a positive trajectory. So where, where's your family from? Like, I know you grew up here, but was your family, uh, where in California? Was My folks bought there? property yeah. here in the seventies. Um, there's 40 acres right out there in the Paso Robles Willow Creek district. Um, right, right where, you know, the same area that James Berry Vineyard is. And, um, they they did that they moved from originally San Diego they got a little house in San Luis Obispo um and uh you know uh realized that they could sell that house and and buy dirt up here at that point which was screaming yeah so like what what did your dad do like what did your dad do well it was mom and dad, mom and dad, dad clear. yeah 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 because they, they, they both worked yeah. you know yeah. so we were we were you know um everybody was working we were you know we raised uh, animals for the 4-H club, all three of us, my brother, sister, and me, and uh, we were expected to have jobs every, you know, every year, um, certainly every summer, um, and uh, so, yeah, mom was a school teacher, and dad was a pharmacist, and, you know, it was, we did, we were, there were no vineyards, it was grain crops and some livestock and stuff like that, and then, you know. So, I like, I like what you said, they, they bought some dirt up here, and so, um, you know, compared to like Santa Barbara or, you know, you got your Napa, your Sonoma, where you have your like marquee cities around them, you know, around the wine country, like you're a kid, 40 acres, what, were you riding dirt bikes? I mean, when you weren't working, like, like what was it kind of like to be a kid out here? I was driving my dad's little Datsun pickup, you know, and, and Dogtown and Z-Boys, the yeah. little Datsun pickup, yeah. those guys are squirreling around and that's what I was rolling in because nobody was home. You know, back Generation X, you know, yeah. you, you got home and nobody was home for a lot of us anyway. Yeah. And so the keys to the Datsun were there. My dad had gotten, the, he finally got a new truck. And uh, and so the, the old little green Datsun was there. And so I was spinning Brody's in the field, man. <laughs> Figuring out how to work the clutch, that's right. That's, that's which is helpful later <laughs> in farming and, you know, tractors and forklifts and all that stuff, you know, uh, figuring out. That stuff early on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And and you, I did get busted though. Right? 
it was it was just a matter of, of time. Like, how'd you get busted? Like, did a neighbor or did dad come home? Mom or dad came over? They just knew because they, you know the engine was hot to the touch, dude. I mean, I didn't just go for. And then the gas situation. So the gas is like going down. Um, it was better than when I got you know busted for setting the front porch on fire. But it was all concrete, so. Whatever, that's a different story. Oh my god! So, um, sounds like you you were a rambunctious child. Yeah, I was just a normal kid. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, right, I was normal. Right? Everybody's got stories like that. <laughs> um, and uh, you have siblings. Where where you're the youngest? You're the oldest. You're the middle child. Where do you fall? I'm the youngest. My sister's in Philly, and my brother's right here in Templeton. He's okay. an engineer, and my 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 sister's uh, uh, well, her husband. She's in Philly because her husband's a professional photographer, and he's at, he's at Temple University. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, um, like you said earlier, you grew up with the Smiths, so uh, you knew Justin. I guess he was, is he a few years older than you? Yeah, he was in my brother's class, and my brother went down to Mission Prep, which is in San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. and I started palling around with, with the older kids, going down to Cal Poly and goofing off down there with them, and under the guise of studying. <laughs> so, but it was good, because it was sort of an introduction to... You know, I, I ended up going to Chico State, which was pretty hard, hard rolling school. Yeah. And if there was anything that was helpful about that sort of thing early on, would be that to manage, you know, your studies or your professional life and a party sort of scene or lots of alcohol and, you know, events on the road working. I mean, it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot to be in this industry and to be able to, you know, continue to, to, to flourish. Yeah, 100%. So, um, you are, you mentioned, I was going to, yeah, um, you went to Chico. Why'd you go to Chico? Was that, was there any particular reason? I know it's state school. California's got a famed state university system, but like what, what well, was I didn't Chico want I didn't want to go to Davis. Okay. Uh, because at that point I was interested in studying cinema, uh, which Chico didn't have a program either. But I really was active in music at that point. There was a little bit of a scene going on. Um, in fact, a couple of years later, a friend of, of, of mine got signed to Rick Rubin's label and was palling around with the likes of, you know, Wilco and Black Crows and that sort of thing in that period of time. So there was a scene there that was happening. After Chico, I went to L.A. and, and got directly into the film business and ended up doing sound effects editing at Sony Pictures. And that's where I saw folks retiring from Sony and moving to wine regions. Mm-hmm. So, so the next step from what they call the golden handcuffs, being in a studio all day and editing and making good money, but you're in a studio like this every day. Mm-hmm. People wanted to get out and enjoy nature, and I did too. I always wanted to be back in, if not, you know, back home doing something uh, productive with the ranch than somewhere like that. And the really only other place that I had thought of at that point was San Inez because it's, you know, the terroir is similar in a lot of respects. It looks the same. It feels the same. Rolling hills and the oaks and all of that. Small, small sort of deal. But it was good timing because Saxon uh, was um, in need of help. And it was sort of a trade-off. I would I'd help him out and he'd teach me how to do it. And it was a true internship. I was just learning. I wasn't getting paid at first. That's right. Everybody deserves some money. And by the way, we are, like Mark told you, we are live here. In are we live? We are live. We are yeah, live. I didn't know that. I mean, we're, we're not going to see this live. We're oh, okay. here this live. 
but that's we're good. alive. That's it. I'm so th- there's going to be interruptions. It's all good. We're not going to get rid of Paco and Ernesto shout outs. Um, no way. So yeah, but yeah. So the timing was good. It was fortuitous timing for me to come back. Mom and Dad were essentially, uh, you're welcome to come and take a stab at farming up here. We don't have the means to help you with that, so you're on your own. Yeah. And so I was continuing back and forth from Saxum and Sony Pictures to still pay, play, get paid down there and work up there. Justin's been nothing but super generous with me the whole time, but it was a situation where it wasn't the Saxum that we know now. It was just starting. Yeah. Of course, the caves weren't there. Yeah. It was, you know, sort of a, a converted garage uh, that, that uh, Justin built into a winery. And to, to have that education, to see it go from, you know, soup to nuts, as they say, is, it was huge. Yeah. And that's sort of part of the reason why we're being patient. You know, and other, other folks like Stefan Aseo, gave me advice, you know, decade, two decades ago, you know, yeah, it's only been, you know, 18 years, but it seems like a long, long ass time. But it was always the best advice that I got was, you know, you can take it slowly. You don't have to, you know, overextend. Um, and, and the beauty of that is, is that I'd be remiss to in not say we have property that, you know, that's, that's, that's the only reason why I'm interested because that, that piece, that vineyard's my center of gravity. Yeah. So, but I'm cool with going slow. You know. Yeah. Figure out what what does well, what tastes good. You know what's healthy. A lot of it's own rooted, which was sketchy, mm-hmm. and so we're you know sort of figuring out what we're doing with rootstocks and fun. So let's back up, man. There's a lot because he's this guy's got a really rich life. <laughs> he's seen so much. Very smart guy. Um, you uh, now I know you play music and you mentioned that Chico band scene. Yeah, but so you're you you were doing sound engineering for yeah okay yeah I wanted to do um, sound for movies okay it's really tough to get in there uh huh like write write for movies uh, write songs for for movies or play songs in movies um, that's like that Hans Zimmer that that Oingo Boingo guy does that. Gee, that guy. Yeah, I mean, Danny Elfman. Yeah. yeah, Elfman owned that lot because he did all the Spider-Man stuff, and yeah, that, that he's impressive. I mean, and and Zimmer too. There was a documentary I just saw with him that was really great. That's a whole other animal. That's John Williams level. That's you know, I was just trying to get a song from a country record put into a, in a western or something, you know, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it turns out that it's all super competitive, and a lot of times these artists are already signed to labels and. So they want to put their, you know, they have connections and whatnot. It's like so many things in this world. I mean, it's, there is, there's just levels and networks and, and kind of who you know, people. For sure. I mean, that's where, that's the whole reason why I was able to be successful here is because I was able to, to go into a network of people. First of all, growing up here in Templeton, yeah. I already knew the scene that was here. And as it grew, but how many wineries was, was it when you were growing up? There was like, how many men? Oh, well, I mean, you can just sort of go around and you see there was, there was, uh, you know, Pizzenti, which is now Turley and the Ducey's were here, but they, you know, there was no tasting room or winery. Uberoth was out. There was mostly Zinfandel plantings. The right. Dante and the Benito sides were planted. Um, but, um, and you know, Eberly, Eberly, uh, J. Lore, which is a bigger one. Yeah. Uh, but Eberly, I remember Eberly wines when I first met out here. And then, Let's just say it wasn't, Tobin James. it wasn't a scene. No, right, by, yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. any you know any stretch until 
you know, Topless Creek, of course, and, you know, getting into the, to the 90s and then in the late 90s and the turn of the century, things really started cracking. So, you're, you mentioned this because you said you get to go slow, and I think people need to understand, you've said a few times, timing, um, like your parents were able to buy the, this for like dirt cheap. As like, a school teacher. Yeah, as like a school teacher. And a pharmacist, and a school teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they definitely pulled their resources. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, we lived in a trailer while they were building the house. We were riding BMX on the concrete foundation and forever. Yeah. In fact, my wife and I are still fixing up the old house. <laughs> That's great. I love it. No, it is. No, it is. I mean, but it, it I think I was talking to someone, um, winemaker, don't remember who it was, because I know a lot of you guys now, thanks to this podcast. Um, but, like, you know, in France, like, the, it's a situation where, um, right, okay, so you go up to Napa, you've been successful in Silicon Valley, you have, you could have $100 million, but, like, it costs lots, because, one, you got to invest in land, you got to get the equipment, you got to hire the star winemaker, all that shit, um, Whereas you seem to, I mean, you like you said, like your mother was a school teacher. Yeah. In the seventies and eighties. Yeah. School teachers are still grossly underpaid. For sure. Um, and, but the ability, the fact that you own the land, you own the dirt, you don't have to subsidize your wine by having super expensive bottles. Like you know, what I mean, like your, I think your wines are incredibly. Well, that might fair price. I mean, yeah, like, you're, uh, I mean, I mean, like, listen, they're I mean, they're they're going up. Well, as they should, but yeah, that, I mean, I, that's a necessity. I, that's a necessity. Just, we have inflation, but also, I think for a long time, your wines were underpriced. We, yeah, that's weird. Josh Reynolds, rest in peace, yeah, my yeah, brother. Josh, yeah, uh, was was always blown away. He would always call, you know, high values, and you know, and Jeb too, and uh, you know, Elaine Brown. They're like everyone was just so positive about you know where we were at um you know at a starting point price point wise and you know just just creeping into it and that's sort of where we are now is that we've gone to a different place as far as the vineyard at home what we're doing with our oak profile as the vines mature things like new oak a variety of you know a varied portfolio of of oak barrels, you know, we're using Hungarian and French new oak, and and um, that shit's expensive, and so and then shipping and all of this stuff is just creeping up. Mm. So, yeah, we're we're no longer um, could be accused of having um, great screaming values. I don't think all all of know, these man. MC. Well, it's eighty five a bottle, yeah, so I mean yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, but when you're sourcing, you know, Bien Nacido. And farming your own vineyard and having a you know a little bit of JBV that we're, we're blessed to to make with, um, you know it's just a it's a necessity. You know you got to keep the lights on. Yeah. And we got we're you know we're going to be planting another at least couple acres every year until we reach the threshold up there of about thirty acres and labor and all of that. So it's just a price that you got to pay to be in the boutique wine business, which is what it is. I think, you know, under 3,000 cases, you're, yeah. you know, mom, pop. Yeah. Um, but you didn't do this all. I mean, so how did you meet your wife, Sierra, man? She was hooked up on a blind date with my roommate. This is at Chico? No, this oh, is in L.A. Oh, okay, I'm, so I'm in L.A. now. Okay, okay, you're in L.A. now. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was at Sony. She was at the LA Opera. That's her. That's her. I like, like it's okay. She, she's at the LA Opera. His wife is amazing. She's got a, a doctorate in classical music. Yeah. And was was a, a soprano at the LA Opera. Um, and her roommate was an actor. My roommate was a comedian. <laughs> and we all went out to be his wingman, my other roommate. And they didn't hit it off. And so I plopped right down in that chair and <laughs> chatted her up. I said, screw that guy, come see about me. And we hit it off and and uh, and the rest is history. Yeah. So uh, And she came up because she yeah. was getting a little little burnt on the LA opera scene. It was extremely competitive. It was she'd been doing it since she was seventeen. Um uh, pro- no, I think even earlier. She she might have been doing it since she was thirteen. Or whatever. She's she had been deeply involved in the education of, uh, you know, she she had uh, a lot of different options. Uh, she went to UCLA, mm-hmm. uh, got a degree in accounting and a master's in classical music. That's so wild. So that's such a so that va- you would think those are two. They're very different. You would think they were two very different things. Yeah, I mean on the surface, but I mean. Music is just timing and notes and counting on one level. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably a little bit of, um, you know, I think her parents wanted her to be able to fall fall back on something, yeah. and, and um, you know, she's still she's still dealing with numbers. She's you know, she sells real estate here, and she does she sells vineyards, and um, is amazing at it. Has a real patience for it. Um, and uh, is fitting into the scene at a different level. Of course, she helps out with the winery. Fortunately, we have wine club manager now and accounting help. But before, you know, the first, you know, shoot since '09, it was just the two of us, and I felt hard. Um, and she was from Santa Barbara. Uh, Santa Barbara, right? She's from Santa Barbara, so that's we'll get to. That's why I mentioned Bernardino. We'll get to the whole Bernardino thing in a second. Yeah. Part of part of their master plan, part of the Adams program. Um, so, how'd you get her to move up here with you? I mean, you, she fell hard. <laughs> no, we were dating. Okay, we were dating, and I was coming up here to do some, you know, prep work to get ready to plant. Okay, and we had an old '49 tractor. It's still there as a decoration, but it was the only tractor, and you know. Sounded like uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or whatever that, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but it worked, you know, to clear clear the first four acres. And anyway, she came up and um, and she uh, went the wrong way on Vineyard Drive. We're out on Vineyard, uh, out, out near, uh, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, well, we're out, out where, so Denner, JBV's behind Denner. Okay. We're, we're in front of Denner. Because people, there's people, you know. Right there. Who haven't been. San Lucia, Mountain Range, San Lucia, whatever, mm-hmm. where ledge goes like that and drops down to where that one area is. But she went the other way. She went out toward Creston. Okay. And she called. She's like, it doesn't even look like Vineyard Drive anymore. I'm like, turn around. <laughs> You're going the wrong way, and uh, so she turned around and she, you know, came into what I lovingly like to call Hobbit Land, where it's all mountainous, and you know, you know that Bilbo Baggins lives down in one of those hollers somewhere, 
and uh, and she was like, I can handle it. And it was middle of July, mm. and she loved the dry heat, mm. and, and it was 102, and got a picture of her, and you know, fell on the tractor with gasoline, and she was into it. Yeah. Turned out that she had a similar thing where she wanted to to live the country lifestyle too. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we went for it. And there's a story I read during the research that it was you, Sierra, and some friends from college. Was was, yeah. it, was it anybody who was like on that original blind date there, or just a whole new set of friends? No, uh, it was Laura K. Swanson, who's uh, was one of her opera buddies. Okay. And my friend Tom, who we played some music together, and he was just a buddy that liked to come up and and hang. Um, it was mostly those two and it was about a week. I have it all documented and we were doing what we called our ABCs, always be clipping. Mm-hmm. And we we're cutting down cuttings of Syrah so that there's two buds and you cut down the rest, you put it in root and hormone and if you got the right kind of soil, it'll take. Mm-hmm. Grapes are easy to grow if all the factors are correct. Mm-hmm. But if they're not correct, it's, it's, it's a bitch. Yeah. But yeah, so we... We did we did four acres worth of eight by three spacing vines in a matter of seven days and cranked away. And this was all. When did you start working with Justin? Because this is 05. So so you were just like seriously on the fly on a job learning stuff. Yeah, it was it was well. I mean, it was the it would be the uh, 06 harvest that mm-hmm. would would be the one where I was really there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Um, there was some consultation work that was going on. So there was a bunch of different wineries in that place. Booker was in there. Via Creek was in there. Um, Denner was in there. Terry Hogue was in there. And Justin was showing a lot of these folks the ropes. And it was awesome because I got to learn right along with, with these guys that he was consulting. So for Justin hung out with your older brother in the same class. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier. Um, his family, um, they came up here with the intention of growing grapes, though. Is that correct? My brother? No, um, oh. Justin's family. Yeah. Yeah. That was, they, they had a plan, and I believe that it was um, John Alban who suggested doing Grenache and Rones. They had a bunch of Chardonnay out there and some other things you'd have to talk to. You know, who Justin I, Smith about, I know, about I, I, that to I, get the, the yeah. absolute straight story, but as I understand it, there, Alban was involved in helping, and Pebble was a Fetzer rep, so he was in the business, and and um, yeah, so then they, they slowly got into the rounds, and then Lenny Colotto formed with Matt and Matt Trevison and, and Justin Smith, and got some real heat behind some, you know, well, Wild Horse before that had a James Barry Syrah that was killer. Mm. Um, and Lenny Colotto was making great wines, and you know, and, and then Saxon and Lenny Colotto did, did their own thing and continued to build up what, what was amazing for Rones in the And there's others too, I mean, obviously, but that's where I was specifically, was in that, in that scene. So, and I love what you said, you, like Justin's like, um, he could show you how to, how to make wine. You could try to grow grapes with that, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to plant something dopey like, you know, fruit trees or, you know, mm-hmm. onions. <laughs> so, he's like, yeah, no. I won't let you do that. <laughs> I didn't want to be like him. It's sort of like, in, in a way, 
you want to get circled back to the music thing. Yeah. You don't want to copy the other bands. You want to do something original. But it turns out that wine can totally be completely different, which Ledge and Saxon, especially in the early days, were very, very different. Yeah. You know, I'm in sandstone with, like, clamshell-laden sandstone, shark's teeth, sand, clay, loam, you know, a little shale. That's our soil profile. Mm -hmm. You go just right across the street, and he's like a thin layer of clay, calcareous with, like, you know, limestone and, like, an ancient seabed under, underneath that. Totally different soil types, and you know, there's the elevations are similar. We're you know, at 1250 around there. Um, we look pretty much straight across at his house, at Justin and Heather's house, and um, but yeah, if the dirt's different, the wine's going to be different. Mm -hmm. But the style of winemaking is pretty pretty much the same. I haven't veered too much from the way I was taught how to do it back in the beginning. Um, I, I, of course, experiment with some things, but it's pretty, pretty steady plan. What do you, um, what do you remember? What was some of the earliest lessons that you learned? Like, were there any hard lessons where you're like, you bonehead? I mean, or just, I mean, like, you know, there are always some things that happen. There are mistakes that happen. I think things have happened more recently than than earlier on like if i'm trying to you know a couple harvests ago uh, i still help out over there at saxon during harvest and mm -hmm. we're able to make our wines there which is huge but in the early days it would just be little things like you know you got to pay attention to the ferment you know make sure you know where where it is in the sugar yeast alcohol realm what's happening where is it on the bell curve and what are you going to do to make sure that you got a happy ferment that's pretty much it you know of course, there's other things, temperature, where you, you know, are you punching down yet? Are you, you know, you're pumping over, delastage, whatever you're at, wherever, you know, is appropriate to be. Um, so, yeah, th those things were just, you know, I just learned how to do it. When you aerate, when not to aerate. It's a fine line between stupid and clever, clever to uh, quote Spinal Tap. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, oxygen and depriving off oxygen, that, that's, that's where it's at. you got to know where where things are and taking numbers all the time, all that. It isn't rocket science, but it is, there is a finesse to it that um, is important. And while you were there, um, I think you were there, we once talked late one night, we're just kicking it. Um, like you, you worked on like the first hundred point wine that came. Yeah, it was seven. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, was literally in that tank. Yeah, he was all up in it. <laughs> yeah, I was all up in it. So. I that mean, was beautiful. Yeah. That was a beautiful, beautiful day when that came through. Uh, because nobody uh, deserved it more than Justin Smith. I mean, you know, and the whole, you know, and Heather and, and, you know, uh, Terry and Pebble and the whole JBV family was, you know, that was terrific. That was, you know, I mean, Justin's competitive and I love that, but I just don't, I, I don't, I can't find it in my heart to want to compete with the dude. Yeah. It's, it just, uh, it doesn't really enter my, mm -hmm. my frame of, of thought. I, I more compete with myself. Like I know what I want to do on the ranch, you know? Yeah. 
what's our estate wines going to be? How are we going to figure out? That's why this MCA is going away because I was using Grenache and some other odds and ends that um, were sort of getting kicked out. And I'm realizing that we have enough Grenache to do a Grenache-centric blend and still do a, a rosé that's 70-30, grown for rosé. I mean, we have enough fruit now that we can mix it up and do estate wines that are you know, more focused and, and varietal-driven. So we've got a, a Syrah base from the estate, we've got a Grenache base from the estate, Bienecido, JBV, and those are the reds. And then we've got a rosé and 100% Roussan. And that's the program. So you used to have in that program your wife's favorite wine. The Roussan right now. <laughs> Red wines tear her up. It was, it was, they tear she, her up. She loved the Grenache. I remember when I first... The Grenache Blanc, but yeah. that was from G2. Okay. And I and I sourced Tanat from G2 as well. And that's Yeah, that was a fucking sick wine. That's yeah. the same sort of story as with the Ducey stuff. Okay. I mean, I love that family. I have huge amounts of respect for, for all of them. Um, but we simply had to, to focus our resources on the property. That's really all there is to it. It wasn't that we couldn't afford G2, but we certainly couldn't do Tanat and Grenache Blanc and Ducey, you know. So, and then what we were touching on earlier with Bienecito. Bienecito is Santa Barbara County, even though it's Santa Maria Valley and it's right there on the border. It's Santa Barbara County. It's Santa Barbara County. My wife's people are Santa Barbara. You know, we got into San Ysidro Ranch. We got it into the Miramar, which we're kind of stoked about. Wow. And, you know, Vino de Vino in Santa Barbara, this little spots. And we, we would very much like to continue to develop that as a market in Santa Barbara. You know, you want to drink local. So we're going to have a better shot at selling Bienecito, uh down there than, you know, well, I don't know. JBV is going to sell no matter what. Yeah. But you know what I mean. It's, it's, a, it's still technically local wine. Oh, no, I live in Santa Barbara. It is, it is totally local wine. We're going to get some Chardonnay from there, which uh, which people are kind of going, what? I thought you were all around. It's like, well, we are what we want to do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I, I mean, it's that's, not like we've been completely wrong the whole time anyway. Yeah. Like we said, the Zen, the Petite. Um, How were you able to source? To not, all of it. How were you able to source these great vineyards? Uh, Ducey, which is now owned by Turley, right? No, that's Pizzanti. That, that's Pizzanti. Ducey's still Ducey. Right, okay. And they have, they and are, Benito yeah. and... Dante's, and Dante's Ridge. Okay. Though, so that's yes, that's the Ridge one, okay. Uh, yeah, Benito's Ridge on, okay. the, on, yep. the, on the east side of the freeway. Okay. And then on this side... You were Dante Ducey, right? Yes. West side, okay. Correct. So this is a great uh, thing we can explain to listeners. What's the difference between the east side and the west side of Paso Robles in general? I mean, we can get into it but in general what, what what's the difference well uh, uh rainfall's a big one uh proximity to the ocean's another one elevation's another one um you know there it's just more verdant and rolling and um it's cooler at night i mean there's a lot of variation so you can't just blanket say east west i mean that's where what 11 different sub avas so you're talking about we lost Big and Tupac because East West. That's right. Well, you're not going to get me talking any shit. Watch my back. Uh, no, 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 because it's it's interesting. Because um, uh, who are some of like the more well named names on the East Side? Because I, I, I mean the West Side. I don't know. I don't go over there. <laughs> there you go. I'm just kidding. 
Because I mean, you guys, you Justin, you know, there's so many great, you know, book everybody's over in the West Side, right? You know, you know so yeah. I mean, a, a lot of these wineries that are kind of blowing up as far as right. what, uh, their production are is getting into thousands of cases of wine. Um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna source from all over. Right. I mean, ultimately, you know, for me, with a vineyard the size of Bienvenido, it would be wonderful um, to get into even more, you know, and, yeah. and I, and I foresee that happening, you know, hopefully, uh, yeah. How did you get in? How did you get into Bienecito? Because I mean, that's coveted fruit. Well, I had asked, uh, at the time, uh, I had asked, uh, Trent Fletcher who was the winemaker, uh, about getting in on the list. And, um, so he had replied that, well, you know, it's going to be sort of a wild waiting list, I think, but we're big fans of the estate Syrah from Ledge. So they actually had had it, which I was surprised, um, and honored, you know, I was, I was thrilled about that. Um, and so the, the, um, request got put in and we ended up getting in that year. So, uh, Chris Hamill was probably a big part of that. His label's True Believer, yeah. vineyard manager down yeah. there. Great guy, great winemaker. And so I, I had seen him a little bit, not really too close or anything like that, but, but you know, we're familiar. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we, we sort of got, got lucky. I guess, or, you know, it was like, yeah, this fits. Yeah. I don't really consider it luck. It was. It seemed like, well, this guy's been playing with Syrah. It's, there's a story, and the story is, is that, you know, that Syrah is essentially the grandparent to the Syrah that we have here, because the Bone Rock was sourced from Bienecito, and I stole cuttings from Bone Rock. <laughs> um, so, when did you, like, start drinking wine? Like, when you were a kid, I mean, were you just, like... You just kind of slog wine, just to just party, or like when when did it kind of no, become no, a I mean, thing? Did your parents drink were, wine? No. Okay. Not really. Okay. No, a little bit. Um, I think there were there were a few factors. Um, I did, you know, occasionally, you know, just mobbing around at Templeton High School and have, have, knowing that there was you know, cask wines, you could, you know, jug wine sort of things was how it was, you know, back then it wasn't like, you know, what are we having? You know, it was, it was, <laughs> you know, it was $5 bring a cask to, to Pizzani. I forget what they, Janelle Ducey told that story. Uh-huh. And, um, they just so it up. wasn't a hoity-toity deal, but it was around, um, mostly in college. And starting in college, that's when, I was able to get some of um, Justin and Pebbles wines. Probably, you know, probably ninety-three or so around there, where I'd come home for Thanksgiving, and Justin would give me some of the wines that he and his dad had made, barn red and farm red, and these were the first Rhone varietal Syrah Grenache Morved wines coming off of JBV. And I didn't know what they were really, because mm -hmm. at that point they mm -hmm. were just a, it was just a farm wine. Right. And so I would take them back to the house that I had up there with five crusty old dudes, you know, living in it with me, and pull out this 
amazing a Syrah, or it just had it would have like a C or a D on it. That was just the vessel, usually oh, okay. usually a single uh-huh. pungent that they fermented in and and uh, or or aged it in, and and I would I would be taking these amazing wines from from JBB back. So then I started keeping tabs on Justin's career and and what was going on with JBV and Matt Trevison was over at Wild Horse and it, it uh, was part of getting that um, James Bray Vineyard Syrah there, I believe. If if I'm mistaken, then put it in the notes. I don't even know if I'm still in the... You're, yeah, you are. I'm all getting relaxed. No, you're more, you should be relaxed. But, we're, we're, but the anyway... Mic, the Mike Scott's because he is a professional sound guy and he performs and he has to... Shout at the vineyards or something. I don't know. The vines. Grow! Produce more wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so that was it. And I was... Uh... What do you think of your juicy juice? God damn, that's good. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Um, no, I was, yeah, I was I, trying I, to I, do the... Um, I, I'm, I'm like a mine. I'm like... A, I'm, well, you don't know. I, I, guess. I just... I watched Pulp Fiction again recently. Yeah. And I was trying to do the... Uh, Bam, that's a good oh, yeah. milkshake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, better yeah, than $5 milkshake. He's, he's like, what does a $5 milkshake taste like? He's like, that's a damn good milkshake. Um, yeah, so I was just keeping tabs on it. Okay. And um, and uh, and then Lenny and Saxon happened, and, and uh, that, was, that was a fun adventure to, to watch. Okay, so you're assistant winemaker, cellar rat, yeah. grunge boy, doing it all. Um, how involved were you, like, with, like, what was it like seeing that being built? Because I, I'm so, I'm just so grateful you and Donnie got me in there when I came out that first time. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. What was it like to see, like, because you grew up, again, you grew up here, you, you knew Justin, you hung out with your brother, they had a little farm, a little barn, and then, like. That thing is fucking sick. Well, it's gra- it was gradual. Yeah. You know, I think if there's anything that um, I've learned um, that is specifically applied to winemaking and farming is you stick to it. And professionally stick to it, period. Um, I've seen it work with, you know, folks in the, you know, highly competitive world of, of, uh, of filmmaking, um, obviously in farming, um, but you know I think it applies to any any professional ism. You know, <laughs> stick to it, and you're going to find your way. You know, it certainly applies to. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> we got you got to take a call. No, I no, mean, it's it's actually my boring. It's, no, it's Chris Cherry. He's always way early. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and That's I'm not right. going downstairs. This is how this is how the podcast rolls. This is like uh, what would you call this if this were a recording session? Just uh, when people just start showing up at the studio and you're drinking and talking shit and riffing. I don't know. It sounds like a rehearsal space to me. Oh my god, it's so funny. I might have to let this motherfucker in. This is so wild. I told him 4.06. He's an hour early. I was 15 minutes late. Um, that was my fault, though. I didn't, right. give, I didn't give you the right address. It's all good. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a quick break. Go get this door. I'll be right back. Okay. We're back. 
But actually, I'll tell you, oh, I love he's, he's a rock star in it. There you go. Now, that'll be on a YouTube. That'll be good. That was like a, that was like a Ferris Bueller movie. Bueller? He was like, you still here? Yeah. Go. I watched that the other night. Speaking of re revisiting movies, stayed up way too late the other night watching that. Um, so, uh, I wrote down something here. And, and and I want to talk. You said you. It's about committing. Like you've seen that, and and staying staying. High competitive world of film. Music music a highly competitive world, and wine on one level, depending on what you want to create, is highly competitive. Is that correct? I think it can be. I think I think in its nature it is. Um. And you know, with your scoring and your entering where everybody else is entering. And of course there's only so many wineries that someone can visit on a trip. And so you want people to seek you out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, um, exactly the philosophy is that I have with regard to competition in wine. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you said I, you compete with yourself. Yeah, I'm deeply invested again in in the vineyard, and think that as soon as I get that dialed and have that mechanism firing, you know, you know I want the hundred pointers. You know, you know I'm I'm going to go after the best scores we possibly can because that that's what drives the industry, and I think that they're worth it. I think that they're that good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but that's not something where I go well. That's better than that one, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. something that I was going like, I, you know, want to be in a place where, um, you know, we're delivering the best estate wines that we possibly can. With Biancito and James Berry, these are established vineyards that have been cranking out premium fruit for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with a vineyard that wasn't even online until you know, the 2009 vintage, right. you know, that's, that's only 24 years ago. Yeah. So no, it's not even. No, it, it's 18. If you plan it in 2005, yeah, that's 18. And in 09, so it's 14. It's in math. <laughs> no, but I was thinking about, yeah, about where, about how young it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've said this a, a, a number of times. What, why, Obviously, you, you need to continue making these wines. You just said this because it's Benicito, it's JBV. But it, you said it, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm only. It's a state, a state, a state. Why is that so important for you to? Because what we've already invested in it. Not only you know uh, sweat equity, mostly sweat equity. Mm -hmm. I'm out there all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm mowing like a mofo right now, <laughs> all the time. Grass is six feet tall in certain places, and there's a there's a. A, a, a big difference, and I think that's something you want to ask. What's what, what's a, what's the difference from not only west side to east side, but what about west side to west side? I mean, the soil types are totally different across the street. Mm -hmm. Our grass is is on the was probably if you're going to look at so soil complexes, San Ysidro, San Andreas. Um, these are sandy clay loam, pasture land sort of things. I was driving the quad around trying to chase a deer out the other day and I went, had to go through a deep section of wild oats. And when I, when I parked that ATV, I shit you not, there was a thick film 
of oat flour, white oat flour on the back of the quad. Because I was driving through and it, and it was over my head and I was knocking the holes out. And, and, and I was like dusted by, by a wild oat flour. So a lot of the places that I'm seeing, they don't have six foot tall weeds. They got, you know, it's like this or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. There's just, I geek out on, on the vineyard aspect of it. Um, I'm usually isolated out there. It's just me and the tractor mm-hmm. or I'm just walking around. It's good. It's meditative. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're rewarded with beautiful fruit. And um, so that's sort of like, you know, your podcast. You know, you, you invest your time, your intellect, your, you know, passion into sharing with others um your gifts you know as a personality yeah. as Thank a you. journalist of sort yeah. and um and really as you know as an artist you're creating art yeah. you know you yeah. got to go and edit this shit you got to you know you have to you know promote and I got to write the, show notes I got to do yeah, yeah yeah no it's it's so it's, that's why that's why the estate is is the most important to me is because that's what everybody said I couldn't do. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell you that straight up. I had people that were like, you're fucking crazy. If you think you're going to go with no money, plant a vineyard and start making wine. And you know, that's where commitment comes in. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. and don't tell me I can't do something. (laughs) That's another thing is that, you know, I, that I'm stubborn in, in that way. Um, and was and was devoted to really hoping to make something that was that that stood uh, um, out in a different light than than my mentors, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's where the soil comes in. Honestly, I think that's that's it. You know, I'm not picking earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, I did that about, a little mm-hmm. earlier, yeah. like 2013. I had one, that which was, was the darling of the New York Psalm scene. It was? Yeah, they, they loved that one. The, the Chronicle, John Bonet at the Chronicle was very kind yeah. to me with that wine and put me on the food and wine cover section. I was, Janelle Ducey was up there for something. She's like, why is Mark Adams on the cover of the Chronicle <laughs> food and wine section? <laughs> and it was because of that, <clears throat> that Estrella Clone Syrah. It was 100% whole cluster, neutral oak, own rooted, wild fermented. And it ticked off all the boxes of the hipster wine. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, thirteen point five. I mean, come on. I overcropped it, not intentionally, but I was I was a little greedy. Yeah. And um, and so it didn't have the extraction that I'm really looking for now in in what we're doing. I mean, the the wines are all fifteen percent plus and have been for a long time now yeah no they're, they're <clears throat> um, you know i'm not afraid of alcohol but yeah i mean well it's balanced it's, yeah. it's not alcohol yeah. i mean that's they're not hot right right they're just ripe and ripe if the acids are in check you're good to go i've heard that that in paso you do need right for because of so many of the soils there's a lot of acid can be in the wines if, if you know if the fruit um there's a lot of natural acid in a lot of wines here well, I mean, it, it varies from spot to spot. Yeah, well, obviously, depending on the soil. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising because our uh, soil report had uh, 
had a, a warning of um, of low acid, like you know, you should, you might want to supplement the soils. Your pHs are you know are, are are on the line, but they're you know three point five is sort of like the standard of in the environs you want to be in, and it's it's usually right there a little bit over a little bit under depending on which varietal so i can't worry about it when i got that report i was i was really bummed because there was some you know unfavorable things like you know oh shit you know i got shitty soil or whatever and then it's like the more you research it's like grapes love love shitty shitty soil soil. and so and the proof's in the pudding that's really all there is to it, and the wines have been terrific, and I'm stoked, and I'm learning how to farm them better, which is my learning curve. Okay, is to get to know that place, which you you know you really can only you know I'm, I can't ask a neighbor who's got different soil, you know, outside of general this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to you know maybe a. a, a Somebody, you know, somebody who's a specialist in fertilizers, if I'm going to use, you know, worm entrails or mushroom compost or those sorts of things that would be beneficial to the soil, which we do, and we implement those things. Um, but it's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's the, it's the farmer, it's the, you know, it's my job to figure out how to dial that place in. And make those decisions because everybody's going to have a different opinion, just like they do about wine. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's interesting. You 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 said some names of. I mean, obviously you you, you do submit your wines for review, but like yeah. for someone to be able to make a wine that a, a John Bonet and an Elaine Chuck and Brown likes, and also Jeff Dunn likes, that speaks volumes about. Um. And is it just you getting out of the well, way? Well, don't forget Reynolds. And of course, Josh. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that. I, that was like I didn't this year. I couldn't. I I didn't. I didn't submit this year. I didn't want to. Um, I, I just took a break. On I, that I, one. I was talking to somebody. I mean, I want. I want to be too. But like, right. yeah. But but like, yeah. Like, um, there's a new palette. I know Eric. Eric has was been reviewing Italian wines. Yeah. I wouldn't want personally if I was a winemaker, I want somebody who reviewed Italian wines kind of possible to review my wines. It wasn't that for me. No, I know, it but was also purely it's, emotional. It was emotional. I'll, I mean, I'll be with him. You, you know, I know next year. You, you you connected Josh and I, by the way. Thank you for that. Josh oh, and cool. I became very close. Oh, good. Over the past few. I, I didn't realize that I had done that. You, yeah, because you you were like, you know, what you have on your podcast, Josh Reynolds. Did he come on? Dude, that's this is this is the sad part. I could cry. Okay. He, he, he said he was going to come on, and we kept going back and forth. I'm at Tribeca Wine in New York City for the holiday party. He's there. I get to meet his daughter, who, I, interesting enough, is a singer. This music thing. With yeah, he shared, he shared. He shared some things. Yeah, with me. and uh, and like I'm talking to him, and he finally is like, "All right, I'll do it. I'll come on." And then he got fucking sick in January. Yeah. Before I could set the date, like, like because because he, he's shy. He people don't like like he's kind. He was reserved. He was shy. Like if you want, you got to know him. But like he didn't want to, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. And um, yeah, I I think I think I I think I might have texted you guys. We spent more time talking about Korean horror and Hunter S. Thompson 
and those sorts of things. The fucking guy. And Tulsa, Oklahoma music scene, you know. Knew every fucking thing. Oh, he was an encyclopedia about a lot of things. I mean, I mean. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, thank R. you for that. R.I.P. Rest, rest in peace, Josh. Um, so, yeah, he took a break. And it's okay to do that. Um, everybody knows because you got your club. You sell you sell at your wines this year. I'm sure you're going to sell at your wines. Yeah, we're we're we do we have you know a wine club that we encourage people to to join and and um, mostly we don't have a tasting room. We'll wine club. We'll we'll throw we throw the occasional bender yeah. up at the ranch. Oh we'll, yeah, 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 we'll have uh, you know ledge fest is there. Ledge, ledge fest is a, is a private wine club party that yeah. we do out at the house, and yeah. we have a bunch of bands and we'll. Put a pig in the ground or do something like that, and and have have a feast and and a, and a concert and open up a bunch of wine and that's probably you know and the you know the other I guess if you would call it a perk was you know you can come out and bug me and tour the vineyard if you you know but we sort of reserve that for wine club or friends and families of you know yeah. wine club yeah um but yeah we're 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 doing good we we're slow rolling. With like distributors, will wait until they come to us. Yeah. As opposed to, to wanting to expand rapidly. If somebody's passionate about our wines, we just got Florida and Kentucky and Ohio. Um, All the swing states. Good job there, Mark. They were, were you know baby steps. <laughs> um, but uh, you know it was, I, it was I, a market. I, I, I want to tell you the story about the time Mark calls me Michigan. <laughs> All banged up on a sales trip, but we'll tell that one another time. I was in a cigar bar or something. Yeah, drinking bourbon and smoking cigars. Yeah, I'm known to do that from time to time. Um, Actually, I haven't done that in a long time. It was that was uh, this guy Tom Doran. He's a Michigan local, Bay City. Uh, and he was, um, he was my broker for, for that area for a long time. And, uh, we'd roll down to Chattanooga, Memphis, and back up to Michigan, do Petoskey, go all around. They like their cigar bars up there. (laughs) But I haven't been doing a whole lot of market visits. I think we're going to go out to D.C., um, but they're here and there. We've yeah. got, you know, somebody up in Ontario and, you know, here and there, but we're probably 50% direct and 50% wine club. And we'd like to mix that up. So we've, we've got, uh, somebody, uh, Nicole, who's helping us with wine club and she knows all the ins and outs of it. So just the last one, the last release we did was. I was like, oh, that's how you do that. I mean, it's it's not really um, something that I've I've uh, ever learned how to do to like you know just attract, just put make the wine and yeah, yeah. You know, it's a lot different now um, than it was when I started at Saxon. When you'd get the reviews, it was a palpable piece of mm-hmm. review material. You'd circle them and. You know, not that it's better or worse. I mean, I think it probably reaches more people, but I think that the diehard wine people that would do the I'm pamphlets. Thinking, I think about doing a newsletter. Parker's deal. I think you should. 
Um, anyway, so it's a little bit different. We're yeah. trying. We're we're working on how because you just go online to do that and you research. Just skim it versus someone like you said who's like gonna sit there and they're gonna read that. Saturday comes, they're gonna read that yeah. shit. You know, yeah. Other reading on train versus like like okay, nineteen ninety versus like because like like think like okay, it's great, but until you taste it, right? Like it, yeah. it's the same thing with for me with like it's tactile. Yeah. Um, right. Um. Let's talk about scores because sure. you you alluded to this earlier. Now we're in this time where they're like these, these these this whatever generation is, we're Gen X, we're the dopest generation. I don't know what <laughs> they are. But like they don't drink enough and then they want lower alcohol wines and blah blah blah. Well they is a they is a very broad term. Well, well, but you know that. Yeah. I know that. I mean, yeah. There's there's scenes that come and go. Yeah. And they're always sort of. But what do you say when? How do you feel about not what you say? But like, like you, like I'm with you. Like people, I'm like I grew up. We, we, you keep score stuff. It just, it's just a way to measure yourself for yourself. Like I sure. ran track. I wasn't necessarily trying to beat somebody, but I, I know if I ran cer- certain time, I was going to beat everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we all grew up taking tests. Yeah. Hundred points. You wanted to get a hundred. Of course. You know, you couldn't, you could not take the test. You'd be like, I don't believe in scores, Mrs. Barker. No, no I certainly do um, believe in them. It was, it's, um, there is some uh, mental sort of milestones that I've had mm-hmm. where in the beginning it was like, if I can get 90 plus for these wines, I'll be stoked. Right. Forget about it. Right. That's all. Well, then once you get north of ninety fives, you're going. Yeah, right. you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what's got a, a 98, 98 point or ninety nine point one. You're like, what the fuck? What gets me over the top? <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, like, I wasn't. I'm never. I maintain the attitude. Still, I don't think you make your wines for scores. You just make the best wines. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And they happen to get high scores. They happen to get high scores. The style is, is changing where the maturity of the vines is providing a certain kind of fruit where acids are in check. I mean, again, back to that. So, you know, you have a flabby wine that's a bomb, or you have one that's balanced that is the bomb, you know, and that's that's the big thing. Where I people saw what like, you did there. I don't Worked on it. I, I rehearsed I, it. He's in the mirror. I rehearsed it in front of the mirror. He's like, I'm, I'm you need out New MJ. York. You need <laughs> New York bomb the bomb. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is like there are things um, that I'm doing every year to tweak it mm-hmm. for the sake of the best possibly you know, integration of all the aspects of, of the site. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. That's for the estate Syrah and the estate Grenache plants. Yeah. The Grenache is going to have you, a different reaction to the Are you going to make so, a Grenache for your boy? Or, no. No? No, we're going to do it. Maybe. I co-ferment okay. right now uh-huh. with with Senso and a little bit of Rousseau. I do. I do like Senso. So it's... I'm not doing. I, I did a little bit of 100% Grenache barrels. Yeah. Before I rack them, I uh-huh. can share them with you. But they're, they're going into the Grenache blend. Okay. Uh, I have Syrah um, 
Rusan, Co-Ferment. I've got a meter, meter. Why Rusan? Why'd you go that route, for do you stay? We touched on this earlier. I know, but I, I'm, I've been drinking your... Because the Jamesbury Roussan has always been a gorgeous addition okay. to the Syrah yeah, ferments. Got it, got it. Um, and I like what it brings out. And you did grassiness, a, floral. You did a straight one for this wine club. Yeah, I did like 50 cases. That's sweet, though, man. Yeah, cases. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get more to do, like, put it in a... I'd love to do like a concrete ferment or an amphora or something, you know, stony with it. Um, not inclined to do oak, but never know. Mm. I don't know. But I, I, that was an experiment to see how it would how it would taste. And as a result, we planted another oh half, half acre of it. Um, I think I um, am inclined to plant even more Roussan for a Roussan Grenache Blanc Claret. Blanche blend which is what we want for our white. It's so like a Chardonnay. Yeah. Adam's the Neuf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how much of the property is currently under cultivation, and how much more can you cultivate? Fifteen and fifteen. Okay. Roughly about thirty acres plantable. Okay. Um, and, uh, meter, meter block is really fun. It's about an acre, almost entirely Syrah. A little bit of odds and ends I threw in there when there was a missing vine when I had them. So there's like, I don't know, 20 Kunwa's vines in there and a little bit of Roussan. But stuff that I just pick, throw it in. No, just doesn't really, yeah. Uh, Originally, the plan was to do a field blend, so the whole ranch was going to be one blend. And that didn't really shake out. Mostly because the Grenache comes off a couple weeks at least later mm -hmm. than the Syrah, mm -hmm. along with the Senso. So the Senso, the Grenache, and um, Syrah and Roussan are the four main blocks. Any Movet out there, man? There is, and and I pulled out um, most of it uh, where uh, we had a, uh, it was just a spotty block, it had red blotch, and it was, it needed uh, some TLC, so I made the hard choice to rip it out and uh, replant it with Syrah, Morved, Roussan, Claret Blanche, those ones that we mentioned before. Are we losing people? No, we're good. No, 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 it's not getting bored. I'm <clears throat> not at all. I'm like thinking like, damn, how can I get more to do a Sinso? Because I love, I'm a sucker for Sinso. It's certainly in the cards. You know, and I've had a few from here. I think Thatcher makes one. Um, I read also I've had some pure Sinso from. But I love a Sinso. Uh, so. uh, what, what producer did you say? Thatcher. Oh, Adelaida. Yeah, Adelaida. Okay. Um, uh... Else. I uh, feel like Lone Madrone does one. Because sure they do. I've had them from Lebanon, um, South Africa. Yeah. Um, I, and I, for me, it makes a really elegant wine. And as far as Rhone producers, I had Isabel Ferrando on, beautiful wines. And 
she puts a little Cinso with her Grenache. She also bottles like a fucking $600 wholesale Cinso. Really? <laughs> it's a very small production. Yeah. 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 Comes in a one bottle OWC. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Random. Yeah. Um, so, like, we got to try that wine. One of us got to win the lottery or something. <laughs> get a bottle of that. Bring it out to hospice. It's far. Yeah. Um, so, what is, uh, what's like the future for Ledge? The future yeah. is open wide. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, uh, the future is uh, slow and steady wins the race. We're um, super pumped about uh, the 21s. Uh, and the 22s for that matter. Um, and, uh, we're excited to have the new block online, you know, 24. Um, and, uh, there's a pretty decent chance we're going to have that place planted out sooner than later. So everything's going swimmingly. Um, uh, we're, you know, thrilled and, uh, grateful for our wine club. That, that really, you know, keeps us going. Uh, and we're, we're onward and upward, man. Planting more. Um, we think we've got it figured out. They, there are some future varietals that we can talk about once they're in the ground that aren't Rhones, um, that aren't French. Um, so we're going to go in Portuguese, go Iberian? We're going to go Iberian. Yeah, makes sense out here. Uh, and you know, I'm not alone. Um, but, uh, probably Castileo, uh, uh, Nacional and Franca as a blend in the ball field. I got no Graciano, no Graciano, no Jane Berry in a Graciano. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think, I think we'll, we'll do that. Um, once it, once the, uh, you know, we'll know. When the timing's right. It's like a three-acre block that I want to experiment with it. So it'll be... Like, all of our lots are 250, 300 case lots. And um, so if we've got, you know, three, four acres planted, that's about what that'll produce. Um, so I got a good spot for, for the Iberians and put them on some sort of... I mean, we do 1103 is a vigorous rootstock that's done really well for us out there and put it on that or something, you know, that'll be really strong and doesn't work out, graft something else on it. Mm. All right. That's the plan. The that, plan is, is to plant, keep making wines. Slow and steady wins race. Podcast with MJ. So, um, a couple of years ago when we first connected, pandemic, hospice got postponed, did a little thing. Um, we talked about your music, but this year you did play at Hospice Room, like in historically. Yeah. yeah um, so, here's this guy. Like, talk about the Americana, man, because, like, like. The blues, like what, 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 what's the, uh, just, I don't know, but, soul uh, in, you know, 
Uh, Willie just hit 90. I know. And and there's a whole new crop of kids. Did you go to the Charlie Crockett show? No. Do you like? Do you know Charlie? Crockett? I don't know Charlie Crockett. Oh, why didn't you say Charlie Crockett? Charlie Crockett's like a black. He's a black country singer. He's from like Louisiana. Oh wait, I know who you're talking. Yeah, it's no, an old guy. No, he's young. Really? He was here. Teresa saw him. He was here in a bar, and now he and he, he he opened for like Billy Strings. Now Jeremy told me. But really? Yeah, he's, he's kind of blowing up. And he and he That's played. Cool. He played at Willie's 90th birthday party. Okay. Uh, but you love Charlie Crockett. All right. Um, I'm trying to know. I'm lame. No, yeah. I, I didn't know about that. Well, you're 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 your own musician, so you. Uh, well, that's no excuse for being out of the loop, MJ. You, you got a point there. You guys, you guys. Well, that's cool. I mean, you always tell me about good stuff. Um, but yeah, you just did, didn't you do an album last year? I, it's it's in the works right now. Uh, How do you find the fucking time? Just does it does it help balance you out? Like you talk about I'm a, I'm, a, or... I'm a spaz, dude. <laughs> I, I, I I can't stop, won't stop. There's always you know we we play out in Creston all the time, and you know local spots all over doing peachy canyon on sunday yeah you're always at 15c you played uh ah, donnie burns pickup party burns is spot yeah. you know have gear we'll travel it's just a fun hobby we're you know it's yeah. it's um it's a release like anything for anybody yeah. you know how long that, have you been picking it's forever wow since like school school band you know nice all right, man. So, um, play a little game. <clears throat> I like to do near the end of uh, a game. Yes, it's a game. Uh, I'm gonna give you three grapes. Um, yeah. Yep. Three grapes. You uh, you can fuck one. You can marry one, and then you have to kill the other one off. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Um, there you go. And, and because you already killed that grape off, now I'm gonna change that. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, so three grapes. <clears throat> who are you fucking, who are you marrying, and who are you killing? Grenache, Syrah, Roussan. Really? Yeah. Really? Well. That is, that's impossible, man. That's the whole point, Mark Adams. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's just not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Ridiculous. You know, it's like, I wasn't like, like uh, I gave you like uh, Cindy Crawford. Well, I'm marrying oh. Syrah. Uh, okay. I think it's tough. Because he just planted all this Roussan. <laughs> well, I got to kill Roussan. You kind of. Yeah, I, I got to F Grenache because it's so sexy. It's Grenache. <laughs> Um, like, all course of your career before that, learning from Justin, going to places around town, getting growlers filled up with wine, but, like, when was he, like, sat down, you had a bottle of wine, it really just rocked your world, like, could have been from here, or from Shout Enough, or it could have been from Bordeaux, I don't know. Uh, yeah, um. Memorable bottle, man. The, the most recent one. Well, uh, I'm just going to say it was just a couple nights ago. Um, I was, uh, there's two that I'm going to throw to my, my, uh, buddy, Neil Collins. Um, one, uh, one was, uh, um, a 12, uh, Esprit, uh, Tablas. Esprit Tablas. And, uh, the other one, um, that was, that I was surprised, um, Because it was a 20, 
in the twenties are the, you know, that's a tough, tough vintage. Yep. Uh, but it was showing particularly well, and it was a 20 Syrah from La Loma Drum. Wow, really? You went local? I went local because those are the two most recent ones, and you said recent. No, I, I didn't mean, I, I, okay, let me back up. No, just like, what's your most memorable bottle? Like, for me, I can tell you, 1990, Henri Bonneau, Cuvée, de, uh, Cuvée Especial, Cuvée de Celestines, which was a reserve of the reserve of Dunpoint Plug and Wine, that back in, this was back in the day when, Retailers would go visit and barrel sample and import and, and clear shit. Just really cementing Grenache for me. Like, what fucking, you're like, is there a Syrah? Is there a ball? Like, maybe you and Justin pull up a ball like this, or, or like, or you're at Hospice and John pulled up a bond, or Philippe Condi was there. Like, was what, like, you're like, fuck, this is, this is, this is wine. Yeah. Although I got, I'm gonna pick up, I'm gonna look for these wines or something. Like that. No, no well, I mean, that was just, like I said, yeah, it's just the most recent, yeah. recent ones. Um, nothing's really popping up for me right now, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a little puny today or what. But, uh, <laughs> Shut um, What was the uh, the Chateau Massar? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, of course, Lebanon. And, and uh, that, that that's one that uh, my buddy Glenn Mitten, do you know this cat? Mm -hmm. Glenn Mitten from Britain. Um, we had a couple of those that I was seriously impressed by. They call it the Mouton of uh, Lebanon or something like that. It's amazing. And there's Cinso in that too. There's like Syrah, Cinso, Cab. I was just popping. Yeah. Uh, um, what else? Oh yeah. Cause you mentioned it. What? So you're on the smaller side, not that Talbot's is big. What's it like to have Talbot's? What what did that do for Paso Robles? I don't know. You know, just the just sort of um, you know uh, the like Haas, the, the Haas family the Haas and, and, and the, the that sort of uh, of um, relationship business and and um, art, so to speak, agriculture. It's sort of uh, not sort of, but definitely gives a certain amount of authenticity to the you know, to the region, um, with regard to, you know, old world and new world, uh, working together. Jason Haas is great with his blogs and keeping, um, you know, the community at large, um, uh, up to date with really informed yeah, breakdowns of, of, uh, of what's going on with the blog. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's more and more, um, international um, acknowledgement of the region by folks coming here and and starting wineries or planting vineyards and so the secret's out it's been out for a long time but I think specifically with the Perrin family and the Hosses that's old school that goes back mm -hmm. and they were looking for a limestone rich area in all of California I believe I don't know exactly. I'm not certain, but uh, you know, that's a mine mm -hmm. out there, and uh, so it legitimizes the region in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's just you know one viewpoint. I mean, I think what really legitimizes the region is um, the sheer number of great producers in this area uh of all ages of all 
um, locations of uh, you know where they're from, where people are from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very proud of the locals, you know, Bernsey and Janelle and Justin and I who grew up here and, you know, many others. That's always fun to see, you know, those, those of us that are from here kicking ass. That's always great to see. Yeah, that was, um, that, that is, um, the three amigos to you guys, uh. Making wines. I know Donnie's moved moved to his own facility now, but like uh, yeah, man. Um, I I heard the story from both sides, and probably how uh, Josh would come in and taste all three of you guys at the same time, and and he'd come in at nine o'clock in the morning with his laptop and a bottle of chartreuse. Yeah, green chartreuse. Green chartreuse. Yeah, it's okay. Let's go, boys. <laughs> it was actually a lot of bullshitting. Green chartreuse, more bullshit. I mean, it was just be like talking, 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 talking about a myriad of things. Yeah. It's like, are we gonna fucking taste or what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> pretty, pretty. Some he he had some um, that I didn't want to go down this road, but he has some. Um, Urban dictionary entries that are pretty colorful. Yeah, yeah. That, you know. I've heard. <laughs> you can look up yourself. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, we had that. We had fun. We still have fun. Three of us are still great buds and, and and you know, see each other all the time. It's an amazing story. Like, some guys from the same hometown, like. Yeah. Not Napa. Yeah. Kicking ass. In the wine business. Yeah, and being able to have it be chill. Exactly. Justin's yeah. great at that, I'll tell you. That guy, you know, he's um, he's a good leader. He's a, a, a great farmer and winemaker and, uh, and businessman, and he's a good friend. And uh, there was no, there's no doubt for Donnie and me, you know, this guy's got it going on and it's good good school good house yeah as they say in the wine world yeah solid house mm-hmm. to 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 be you know a part of and uh and to be able to branch out from nice nice mark adams mr mca tell people how they can find you how they can be a part of what you're doing at ledge vineyards info at ledgevineyards.com go to ledgevineyards.com get on their mailing list Area code 805-434-8663. Text or call. That's my number. He is that fucking accessible. (laughs) He really is. He's the real deal. MCA, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, And for all my listeners out there, make sure you check the show notes. That's where I'll have uh, uh, a list of the wine we drank, uh, which is sold out and is the last one. But, you know... Maybe we now we create a secondary market, but you definitely want to get on his list for future releases. Um, small production, it's going up. Um, so yeah, till next time. Cheers to all my flossers, my deep thinkers, and all your wine drinkers. It's your boy MJ. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com 
and get on our email list.